Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith, and I'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. Here at Ministry Watch, we bring you news about Christian ministries as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. Regular listeners to the program know that in August, we began these Ministry Watch Extra episodes. We still do our regular Friday weekly roundups. Those are the episodes that I co-host with Natasha Smith. But these Ministry Watch Extra episodes are a chance for us to go deep, you might say, with someone who I think would be interesting and helpful for Ministry Watch podcast listeners. Today, I'm pleased to share with you my conversation with the president of Tacoa Falls College, Dr. Robert Myers. Colleges are the recipients of hundreds of millions of donor dollars every year. They're also on the front lines of many of today's most important cultural battles. They're powerful tools for shaping culture, both for good or for ill, and they're often defining moments in the lives of young people, individual students who are trying to decide who they are and what they want to be when they leave college. In a time of demographic change, when we're seeing fewer kids in the college-aged cohort, as well as technological advances, an era when it is much easier to take advantage of distance learning, for example, we are seeing a lot of colleges suffer. There are about 4,000 colleges in this country, and I've heard statistics that suggest that as many as a third of them could close their doors for good over the next decade. Of course, some colleges are thriving, and there's a very few colleges that have had the experience of staring into the abyss of financial ruin and then stepping back from that precipice. Tacoa Falls College in Northeast Georgia is one of those schools. It's come back from the brink of ruin twice, in fact, once in 1977 when a dam break and subsequent flood swept through the college campus exactly 43 years ago this month. 39 people were killed and more than 60 injured in that disaster. The second time Tacoa Falls College averted disaster was in the years following the 2008-2009 financial crisis. And the man who gets a great deal of the credit for that turnaround is my guest today. Robert Myers has had a varied career. He started off as a police officer, first as an officer on the beat and then rising through the ranks to detective. He transitioned to higher education nearly 30 years ago and has served at Palm Beach Atlantic University, Oklahoma Wesleyan University, and other schools. He now serves as only the seventh president in Tacoa Falls College's more than 100-year history. I had this conversation with Bob Myers before the COVID pandemic, but for a variety of reasons, we've held on to this conversation till now. I did this interview at his office on the campus of Tacoa Falls College. Dr. Robert Myers, welcome to the program. It is so great to be here on the campus, literally on the campus of Tacoa Falls College. It's a it's a beautiful place, sort of tucked away in this little valley up here in North Georgia. Um, tell me about the school and how you got here. Well, the school really is an interesting place. If you think it's beautiful, you need to explore all of it. 1,100 acres in the mountains of Northeast Georgia with a 186-foot waterfall. 
So you can't beat that. Wow. So a lot of hiking on the campus. I think we've got about 80 different buildings and all sorts of things for students. If you like to be outdoors, this is the place. Well, it certainly is the place, though I will say that natural beauty um, and sort of the natural, the, the, the fact that a, a, a river, a creek, a big creek runs right through the middle of, of campus, uh, was um, played a big role in the history of the school. Can you, can you tell everybody about that, that story of the dam break here? It, at it, the Gulf it College? really did play a tremendous impact on, on the campus. In 1977, November 6th of 1977, at about one in the morning, there was a, a very large dam that was above the campus of Tacoa Falls College. And there were heavy rains for the week preceding that, and the dam ruptured. And it sent a 30-foot wall of water throughout an area of campus, killing about 39 faculty, staff, and students on campus. So it, it just totally devastated the campus. But the beauty of it is that God used that to help the campus rebuild. The campus at that time was really in financial uh, hardships, disrepair, and with all of the money that came in from the government, from private companies, the, the college was able to build and become even stronger than before. Well, uh, I know that story. You know this about me, that I actually happened to be on the air in college at a campus radio station down in Athens, Georgia, yes. where I was going to college, uh, on the Sunday morning when that dam break uh, occurred, and I was... Uh, you know, had the um, the tough duty, but in some ways a privilege of getting help getting the word out to the world uh, about that dam break. And so I think maybe because of that reason, Tacoa Falls College has always had a warm place in my heart, a special mm -hmm. place in my heart. And um, and you're right. I mean, it's been remarkable what has happened since then. The college rebuilt, um, and you've been here now. What uh, I finished seven years, and this is the beginning of my eighth. So you haven't. Been been here for the entire arc of that process, but uh, I guess I should say that while the college rebuilt after the after the tragedy here, the dam break, it had kind of fallen into disrepair. That's right. Again, yes. Uh, it you know for all kinds of reasons, not least of which probably was the two thousand eight two thousand nine recession, yes. which is just about the time you came. And since you've been here. There's been another remarkable period of uh, renaissance here. Can you talk about that? Yes, it's been really an interesting time. We, we realized about seven years ago that we needed to do something dramatic to change Tacoa Falls College. So when I came here in 2012, our total enrollment was 806 students. And now this fall, our total enrollment is just under 1,800 so there's been a great growth, and we realized strategically we just needed to do some things differently and be a little smarter. Well, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit more about um, what's going on in higher education generally in just a minute, Bob, but uh, I think I, I, I want to at least, though, stick a pin in this point, which is that Growing from 800 to 1800 is remarkable under any circumstances, but it's especially remarkable in an era in which higher education, Christian higher ed in particular, is facing some real challenges. Lots of schools are not only not growing, but they're shrinking significantly yes. and going out of business. Which, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about these environmental trends in a minute. But but I do want to stick close to Decoa Falls College right now and just ask, so have you done it? Given that environment, given the environment in which a lot of schools are going away or shrinking, what have y'all done? Well, I think it's, we sort of followed a principle that you might follow in financial investing. 
You don't put all your money in one place. And there are too many colleges today who really have said, and they're smaller type colleges, we're going to focus on residential enrollment. That's all we're going to focus on. But if you start looking at some of the trends and depending on where you are geographically, high school graduates are declining in numbers fewer people going to college, a lot of environmental factors. So we said, we're going to follow the same kind of model that you would in investing. And that is we're going to diversify. So we said, we're going to not just worry about residential students. We're going to build online programs. We're going to build our dual enrollment programs, which are our juniors and seniors in high school who are taking college courses. And we're going to develop graduate programs. And those first three legs of the stool have have happened and it has paid great dividends for us and in the fall of next year we began our first graduate program Hmm. so uh, just sort of break that down for me just a little bit uh one of the things that you mentioned was distance learning uh how many folks do you have participate of the 1800 how many of them are taking maybe at least one class a year about 200 okay and you mentioned joint enrollment a lot of juniors and seniors that live in in the in the area that will take a class uh uh, maybe more than one class Mm -hmm. uh from Tacoma falls college how many kids are involved in that just under a thousand yeah so that's a that's been it sounds to me the biggest part of your growth right there huge amount right there and when you when you look at that you've got to take that and translate that to what we look at as fte you know that's the the number uh, uh, full-time equivalent yeah full-time yeah. equivalent students yep. and um and that that little segment alone uh tr- gives us tremendous fte yeah, yeah. Okay, and then you've, I know you and I are sitting in your office here at Tocqueville Falls College. I'm looking across the way here. I don't know this little green sward mm-hmm. or park-like yes, area yes. here. And I'm looking at a brand new nursing school. So that's another thing that you've done here. We started that nursing program two years ago. So this is the beginning of the third year. And uh, that has grown like wildfire. So we had our first graduates in May. Well, and the first graduates were transfer students. Transfer students. You haven't students. actually had. That's right. Yeah, the program hasn't been around long enough That's right. for people to come all the way through the program. And you, I think you said you had 20 kids, 20 students uh, graduate in that we first We had 20 year. students graduate in May, and the, uh, the School of Nursing received full CCNE accreditation, which is the premier accreditation for nursing schools. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to specifically mention the nursing school, and we're going to talk about grad schools in just a minute, because this college, Tocqueville Falls College, um, has a, a legacy, uh, a history of being very missions-minded. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that accurate? And I'm just wondering if that might have played some role in your decision to start a nursing program. Was that any way a part of the thinking there? Yeah. In fact, let me tell you a little bit about that story. Everything that we have done, and we've talked a little bit about growth, and we've talked about, we haven't talked yet about many new programs other than nursing, but everything we do is based upon our mission. If it fits with our mission, we pursue it. If it doesn't fit with our mission, we just don't do it. And we have stuck to mission, which I believe helps us with our growth. We are sticking to what we're good at, and that's how we're going to proceed. So we decided at one point, 53 years ago, that we wanted to have a nursing program. So our local hospital sits just off of our campus boundary. And the college gave the county that property for a hospital so that we could start nursing 53 years ago. Wow. And it never happened. And then several years ago, we were able to talk with a donor who was able to help us get that started. And now we have a program. Well, that's a classic. What's the old Eugene Peterson expression? Long obedience in the same direction. That's right. Sort of a classic example of that. It It took a long, long time to bring it to pass, uh, but it ultimately did. And congratulations. uh, And I will mention the 20 students that have graduated. uh, 
many of them are going overseas. They're going to serve Christ through healthcare in a country other than the United States. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the things that has always impressed me about Tocqueville Falls College is that, you know, it it wasn't, I mean, it's it distinctively Christian education, but it was... Uh, you know, not just go be a preacher, go be a missionary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it might mean go be a nurse. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I know you've had some Christian musicians. Aaron Schust, for example, yes. is uh, who many of our listeners will know his music. He's an alumnus of That's the school. Right. I had the privilege of speaking here in chapel this morning, and and um, y'all had a really wonderful uh, ministry team, mm-hmm. music team, up mm-hmm. on the stage right before I spoke. And I was thinking to myself that that could have been Aaron Schust whenever he was a 19 year old sophomore here, or something. It probably like that. was, yeah. You're listening to my conversation with the president of Tacoa Falls College, Dr. Robert Myers. I'm Warren Smith, and we'll have more with Bob Myers after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back to the Ministry Watch Podcast. I'm Warren Smith, and today we're featuring my interview with Dr. Robert Myers, the president of Tacoa Falls College. He's the author of No Compromise, Thoughts from a Christian College President. He's also a contributor to the Huffington Post and other publications. Let's get right back to our conversation. Well, I wanted to, Bob, you know, sort of, I mean, I, de- I don't want this just to be a paid commercial announcement sure, for right, Tocqueville right. Falls College, though I'm, you know, happy to help you tell your story, at least in this regard. I, I wanted, though, to get that out uh, sort of, you know, on the record here, in part to talk about some of the larger issues that are facing Christian mm-hmm. Ariad. We've already alluded to some of them, um, but uh, the demographically, uh, you're going to be facing some challenges in the years ahead. Financially, Funding models are changing. There's uh, uh, a student loan uh, debt bubble that is either going to burst and cause problems for mm-hmm. colleges, or um, it's going to be ta- it's going to have to be dealt with in some way or another. And um, a lot of colleges are responding to those challenges, as you said, by sort of retreating. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of those are retreating to the point where they're going out of business. That's right. You've taken a different path, one of advancement. Mm-hmm. Um, is that going to be enough? I think it really gets interesting. That those are those are really great questions. We've looked at a couple of things. One of the things that I think is very important is that we educate students on personal finance. What does it mean to have a college debt? How do you handle that? What does it mean to have credit card debt? What does debt mean in your life? Should you have it? Should you not have it? How do you handle it if you do? So our first step has been, let's talk to our students and make sure that they understand what this really means. And then there's there's just a, a lot to look at. You know, what we've found is 
we try to keep our debt as low as we can in terms of tuition, but every college has bills to pay. And just like at home, if your electric bill goes up, our electric bill goes up here. So there are certain things we have to cover. But as I, as I look at all this issue of debt, one of the things that we've discovered here is that if students will work, their debt isn't nearly what the debt is of students who just decide they're going to go to college and not work. In fact, many of our students who work end up with no academic debt. Mm. But yet, we're facing a culture that is a really interesting culture because we're finding a lot of our young students don't want to work. And in fact, we're seeing parents who don't want their children to work. Mm -hmm. We had a, a fellow this week, we had given him a job on campus, and he was doing great at it. His dad called and said, I didn't pay for my son to go to college and work. Yeah. He's out. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, you and I were talking over lunch about this book that you and I have both read, The Coddling of the American yes. Mind by Jonathan yes. Haidt. And, uh, and uh, one of the things that that, you know, that book is, you know, kind of about the millennial generation mm -hmm. and, and how they have been coddled. But one of the things that, that, that uh, Jonathan Haidt says is that, um, the, that millennials get a bad rap. The problem with millennials is that they were raised by, that's right, by, by us. our generation. Yeah. yeah, by us. And it seems to me that that's sort of what you're saying here as well. And that, that work um, is uh, n not only not a bad thing, it can actually be a very it can be a positive good that um, as as Christian um, as folks that are trying to communicate a Christian worldview to our to our culture and specifically for you to mm -hmm. your students, uh, helping them understand that they're made in the image of God, that God was a worker, and yes. that work is not a bad thing um, for all kinds of practical and spiritual reasons um, is, is, sounds like it's a part of what you're trying to do here. Well, it is what we're trying to do. And we have all sorts of work-study positions that are available on campus. You can imagine with 1,100 acres, we always have work to do. Right. But it's just, it's, it's a different culture. Even in the time that I've been here, when I first came to Tacoa, we had a lot of young people who wanted to work. And over the years, fewer and fewer want to go out and really have, have tough jobs mm -hmm. where they've got to work while they're in school. And then to have a parent say, I don't want my son to work. Well, that's sort of telling us a little hint of what's happening in the culture today. Yeah, yeah. Bob, I'd like to pivot in our conversation and talk maybe a little bit more broadly about what's going on in Christian higher ed. We've talked a little bit about some of the demographic issues and some of the funding issues that are happening, and you know we can say more about that. But one of the other things that's happening in Christian higher ed is, um, you know, um, uh, issue uh, cultural issues that show up here as well. Uh, you're not, um, you know, we're, we're in this wonderful, beautiful place in this valley and. Northeast Georgia, and, and I can look out and see more trees than I can buildings here from where, where mm -hmm. I happen to be sitting right now. Um, but the culture's out there, and the culture is in here as well. Uh, you've got issues of uh, sexuality, transgenderism, same-sex marriage, and so on and so forth. You are a member of the Christian uh, CCCU, That's Coalition right. of Christian Colleges That's and right. Universities. They have taken a position on some of these gender issues that is sometimes called fairness for all. That's right. You dissent from that view. I do. Strongly, I dissent from that view. I think uh, there's a whole list of reasons why fairness for all is not fair for all and barely fair for some. And if we were just to take a look at, at some of those things on fairness for all, and if people are unfamiliar what that's about, it's, it's looking at sexual orientation and gender identity as a protected class today. And we oppose that. Here's some of the 
interesting things I think about. Well, and let that. me just interrupt that the, the Coalition of Christian Colleges and Universities, which is about 100 to 120 yes. Christian colleges yes. around the country, they are taking a position in favor of fairness for all, which is to so you know uh, recognizing SOGI, That's sexual right. orientation, That's right. gender identity as a protected class. I think in part they think that it is an appeasement that it will be a that it will build a hedge around yet further encroachment on of government regulation within the schools. But your position, if I've got it right, is that no, 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 not only will that not work, mm-hmm. um, which we have, for example, seen in Utah, where they had a very similar Utah compromise at, That's their, right. at their state government level. That's right. But it's also a compromise of the gospel in our biblical position it's in the a, first place. It's a compromise of our beliefs. And it's, I can't see anything good in putting a law together where you carve out an exclusion for yourself. Something seems wrong about that. So, for example, what we're saying in the, in, the, in the Fairness for All is that we will allow the sexual orientation and gender identity to be protected classes, but we'll carve out Christian higher ed and churches and those kinds of groups from having to hire people in those categories, and we'll carve out this protected little area. What we're not carving out is for the baker with the cake or somebody who has another business but wants to live out their beliefs. We're, we're making them now follow a totally different standard. So how can we carve out something for ourselves but yet say, brother and sister in Christ, sorry, you're going to have to live with that. Well, and not only that, not only is that hypocritical in the extreme, but not only that, they will, they'll come back to us five years later and say, well, you allowed it with the baker, you allowed it with the photographer. Yes. Um, so, so in principle, you're not really against it. That's right. That's because right. Because you, you didn't stand with them That's whenever right. you had the opportunity to do. You were just carving it out for yourself. Absolutely. Yourself. And here's the other thing. You and I have both seen this happen. We'll, if, if this law were to pass and they carve out churches and, and Christian colleges, what's to say in five years they don't remove that carved out? area. And now we're bound again by this law that we've allowed to creep in. And it also opens the door to a lot of things that aren't fair for women. You know, we're going to find all sorts of transgender issues. We're going to probably see the use of, of the correct use of pronouns for however I'd like to be described. It's opening the door to a lot of issues that it just, we do not support. So why has this become such an issue for CCCU and for colleges and universities? Do you guys face unique challenges that, say, an accountant or a doctor wouldn't necessarily face? I think one of the things that people who support the Fairness for All look at is that, is that they believe that the laws are coming down the road, that, that we're going to end up with these protected classes. So they're just looking at a way to protect ourselves, seeing what they believe is the bulldozer coming down the road. Today's Ministry Watch Extra episode features my conversation with the president of Tacoa Falls College, Dr. Robert Myers. I'm Warren Smith, and we'll have a few final words from Bob Myers after this short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate 
a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back to the Ministry Watch podcast. Today, my interview with Dr. Robert Myers. Let's get right back to that conversation. So, Bob, we've already talked a little bit about sort of the um, the character, temperament, personality, uh, makeup of the American college student mm-hmm. today. Uh, and, um, and, again, let's stipulate for the record that whatever faults and flaws that they have are, number one, no different from all the faults and flaws that all of us have by That's right. being nature of fallen humanity, mm-hmm. being a part of fallen humanity. And number two, we got to remember that these kids were raised by us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we I have to, you know, if we didn't, <laughs> if, if they didn't get raised right, then, then that's because we didn't raise them right. Um, all that said, I do want you to maybe say a little bit more about, you know, what you're seeing here with, with college students today. Um, you know, we, we talked about in the context of fairness for all, um, sexual orientation mm-hmm. and gender identity issues. Um, but these kids are really growing up in a completely different sort of cultural milieu. That's right. uh, even as recently as the last few years with uh, the Obergefell decision legalizing right. same-sex marriage, with um, programs on television that, that extol same-sex relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you seeing here? It's really interesting. Over the course of the years, I, I'm seeing more and more students who just have a softened heart towards the gay agenda. And it's, it's part of it is because, like you just said, they see it over and over again, things like love wins, you know, how can that be bad? And they don't really take a look at what scripture says about these things. And the other part of it is too, I think our culture today has made the gay agenda cool. That it's almost cool if you're gay, it's almost cool if you're transgender. And I'm not sure that our churches today are even adequately dealing with this with youth in churches before they even get here. Well, how would y'all deal with it? Because you and I, again, when we were talking off mic, uh, Bob, we said you know th- that a lot of Christian colleges have three kinds of kids. One, yes. one is that they're deeply committed Christians. Their families are, you know, committed Christians. They want to be here. They love the mission of the school. Mm-hmm. They're they're sort of all in. The other, they're on the fence. Maybe the kids, the the parents want their kids to go to a school like to Falls right. College, and they trust it and love it. The kids are like, well, okay, mom and dad's paying for school. It's four years out of the house, That's and it. so I'll, I'll, you know, it's fine. But then you've got another group of kids that. Um, they're, that uh, they'll they'll come to you and their parents are based. They don't may not, may not say this explicitly, but sort of implicitly they're saying, you know, Bob Myers to Cole Falls College, mm-hmm. fix my kid. That's right. I've done everything I could. Now he's your problem. Now he's your problem. Exactly. <laughs> so you've probably got a few of those kids here. We do. Sure. What do you do? What do you do with a kid that comes to you or comes to Chris Stratton, your director of faith formation? I don't know if that's his exact title, but mm-hmm. that's kind of what he does. And says, um, you know, I'm struggling with same-sex attraction. I'm struggling with gender identity. I'm struggling with, um, you know, pornography. I'm struggling yeah. with whatever it is I'm struggling with. I think the important thing to remember is that sometimes people think just because it is a Christian school that we all hold hands and sing Kumbaya and everything's great all the time. But we're getting kids from broken homes. Now, not everyone. I mean, we've got... 
strong kids from strong Christian homes, but we have other kids who have been victims of sexual abuse. Uh, they have alcohol or drug problems. Uh, they have cutting issues and they get here and then we have to deal with it. And we have two full-time counselors on staff. They are trained, licensed, professional full-time counselors who are booked solid with appointments for kids who are dealing with these issues. So our big deal is let's talk about it. I would rather you talk about your issues with us and let us give you godly direction and godly principles than to say, oh, well, you know what? We just don't like how you're behaving. You're out. And then let the world deal with them. So if we can get a kid who's broken and needs help and needs the love of Christ, and we're able to talk with them for a couple of years and help turn that around, or they hear the Christian perspective on this, the biblical perspective on this, it's worth it. Mm. Well, we've talked a little bit about money. Uh, you mentioned the, the $8 million capital campaign that you were about to raise. Uh, I know um, you and I talked offline. Your budget here at the school is about, what, $25 million About $25 year. million. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you said your annual fund uh, that you raise each year is, what, 2 to $3 million yes. in that mm-hmm. range? So mm-hmm. the vast majority of your money actually comes from the tuition. It does. You, you, your, your students are your, and, their, and their families are your mm-hmm. customers, but you do have to raise some money. And I'm just wondering um, – uh, how you've been in higher education for a while. You were uh, before you were here. You were at uh, Palm Beach Atlantic. You were at Oklahoma Oklahoma, Wesleyan. Oklahoma mm-hmm. Wesleyan with our friend Everett Piper. Mm-hmm. And um, so, what's changed about fundraising? You know the old joke about college presidents is that they sleep in a mansion every night and go beg for money every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that is that true for you? No, it's not at all. In fact, I take a different approach to to fundraising. And really it's it's about building relationships and it's about telling the story. And let the Holy Spirit work on people's hearts. I don't twist anybody's arm. Here's our story, here's what we're looking to do. Here's what God's doing at this place. And I think over time, as people get to know me or anyone who raises funds, it becomes an issue of trust. You know, do they trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do with the funds? Do they, do they trust that the program is a solid program? So um, the begging issue, we'll never beg. We'll tell the story, what God's doing, what we want to do, and then we'll let God work on the heart. You know, Bob, among the many... Um changes that we've seen in Christian higher ed, higher ed in general, but Christian higher ed in Mm -hmm. particular, has been um, the rise of colleges like uh, Liberty University Mm -hmm. and Grand Canyon University in the West. And there have been others, Mm -hmm. but uh, these are colleges that have, um, they have um, been very aggressive Mm -hmm. at um, distance learning and online learning, and also very aggressive in many other ways as well. They've grown very large. and um, my question, and, and nothing wrong with being big. I mean, you know, size has its virtues, you know, in, in certain ways. But have those colleges, and I'm going to say it kind of um, in a particular way, that, that, and I understand that this, this language is probably not going to suit everybody, but have those colleges polluted the environment? Interesting. I think, I think there are some differences. And and I think one of the things that happens in Christian higher ed, and you and I have talked about this before, is that we we sort of move from what is our mission to how do we get students. So rather than than focusing and staying laser focused on mission, we say, let's build a new water slide and let's build a new climbing wall and let's do make it an amusement park to do whatever we can do to get students here. 
And, and I think sometimes not only does that raise tuition, but it waters down what we're trying to do. I mean, we want students to have a good time. We have 1,100 acres here. People hike all over the place, you know, that kind of thing. We've got coffee shops for them to relax. But they're here to learn something. And I think we can become distracted in, in what's best for the student when sometimes, not saying any of these schools are doing it, but in sometimes looking at what is best for us and how can we generate additional revenue. So what we've chosen to do is to try to make it very comfortable and enjoyable for students because they want to have a good time too. But keep focused on what's our mission, and that is to educate students. So I, I don't think they've pol- schools have polluted the Christian higher ed market. I, I do wonder sometimes if, if, if all of us can tend to lose focus on what we're trying to do. So, Bob, I hope you have many, many more years ahead <laughs> um, uh, in ministry here. And it sounds like you do. I know your board just renewed your contract for another four years, mm-hmm. so congratulations on that. Thank and you. Uh, um, and And you've been here, what, seven, eight, you started mm-hmm. your eighth year, you said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've been here a while. Um, so, uh, again, let me just stipulate for the record, I hope you have many years ahead, um, but probably more behind you than ahead of I you at so. this stage in your yeah. life. Um what do you want to get done in the very, in the few years that you've got left here? And um, when you know when you're gone, and and maybe uh, there's nothing left of you know Dr. Robert Myers mm-hmm. other than uh, a, a plaque, plaque somewhere, on, yeah, <laughs> on some of these buildings that we see around here. Um, how do you want them to remember you? Well, I you know I just came into this job with this in mind: leave it better than when you found it. And that's really what personally I've been trying to do with God's help is leave it better than I found it. And there are a lot of ways to define better. But when it's all said and done, I really hope people don't remember me. I hope they remember what's happened at this place and how God has made a difference at this place. Because yes, we make good business decisions and my background's in business. And that's what we try to do, make solid business decisions. God's given us a brain. But there's also a spiritual component to this. You know, God brings the right donors. He brings the right people. He brings the right mix to this. So when it's all said and done, when I leave this place and my name is on a plaque, probably on a tree, I won't even get a building, but on a tree somewhere, I hope people remember what God did here in those places, in those years. That's really what I'm after, to leave it better than I found it and have people remember what God did at this place. That brings to a close my conversation with Dr. Robert Myers. Bob Myers is the president of Tacoa Falls College, a Christian college in the mountains of Northeast Georgia. Before we go, I'd like to leave you with a couple of quick notes. First, regular listeners to this program know that I think healthy Christian colleges are vital, not only to the health of young people, but also to the church and to the culture. That's why Ministry Watch has added the profiles of nearly 50 of the most prominent Christian colleges in the nation to our database. To see if your favorite Christian college is in our database, just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the red button on the upper left 
left-hand side of the front page. That will take you to our database, and you can search for your favorite school. I can't promise that it'll pop up, but there's a pretty good chance it will. And if it doesn't, shoot me an email, and I'll do my best to track it down and get it added. And if you like what you've heard today, we'd be grateful if you'd share this podcast with a friend. Another great way to support the program is to rate us on your podcast app. The more ratings we get, the more likely it is that other people will be able to find us in online search engines. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosell and Steve Gandy. Here at Ministry Watch, we get database, technical, and editorial support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, Christina Darnell, and Casey Suddeth. I'm Warren Smith, and you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.